You're listening to the Grow Your Own Food Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow fresh fruit, vegetables, and even grains in your own backyard. In every episode, you'll get growing tips, recipe inspiration, and more. Ready to get growing? Then let's jump in. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 65 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Smith, and today's episode is episode two in a two-part series that is all about how to build your own raised bed garden. So if you didn't listen to the last episode, episode 64, we talked about the different materials that you might want to use to build your raised bed garden, their pros and cons, and a few different ways that you can incorporate pest control really easily depending on the different materials that you choose. But in this episode, we're going to be getting all into the nitty gritty about how Mr. B and I built our own raised bed garden, all the different things that we took into consideration while doing that. And like I said in the previous episode, I'm really hopeful that all of this information helps you if you are considering building your own raised bed garden. So that is what we're talking about today. But first, a word from our sponsor. So I figured I can't really talk about building raised beds without sharing exactly how we built ours, right? Like, that would just be mean. So a lot of the reason why we chose to build raised bed gardens was, one, the heavy clay soil in our backyard and the amount of amendments that we had had to do were just not netting us the condition of soil that we wanted. So that was a lot of the reason why we chose to build a raised bed garden. But two, the exploding rabbit population in our area. One of them tried to dig a burrow in my garden, like in one of my garden beds. And after that, I was just like, no, that that's it. And if we're going to build, if we're going to go through the effort of building a good sturdy fence, why not just build raised beds as well? And so then we can grow in really good soil. And because Mr. B tends to live by the motto, happy wife, happy life, even though I roll my eyes at it, because I believe that a husband's thoughts and feelings are just as important as the wife's thoughts and feelings, but that's what he chooses to live his life by. And let's be honest, it's kind of nice. He agreed. He agreed to build me a raised bed garden. So here's everything we took into consideration and how we built it. Number one, budget. This is the first question you should ask yourself when considering building a raised bed garden. How much can I spend? Or if you're lucky, how much do I want to spend? Of all the options for materials, Corrugated metal is probably going to be your least expensive, most convenient option. With a few sheets of it and some four by four inch, you know, lumber posts, a DIY raised bed garden comes together pretty fast, even if you want to build several beds. The garden we built, and again, you can see the pictures for it in the sister post for this episode. It's the same sister post as the last episode. The garden we built cost a few thousand dollars. I know, yikes, it was a big investment, but, you know, I'll explain why it costs that much when we start to get into the materials. 
It was largely possible thanks to a generous gift from Mr. B's grandpa and mom. So that was a lot of why we were able to spend, you know, that much money. So I will say that, that it can get really expensive. Materials. For our raised bed garden, we chose to go with lumber. Like I said in the last episode, we went with raw, untreated cedar. We live in a fairly traditional style house in a traditional suburban neighborhood. And, you know, like I said, also in the last episode, we don't feel like this is going to be our forever house. So we wanted something that looked like it was, you know, worth ripping out part of the yard for or taking up part of the yard with. Um, In other words, something that looked nice enough that it would appeal to hypothetical future buyers. We chose raw surfaced, which means smooth, like it's gone through a planer, it's not rough and, you know, furry on the outside, it's smooth like lumber you're used to seeing in a hardware store, cedar, which we we purchased at a local lumber yard. And by far, this was the majority of our expense. About 97% of the cost came from lumber. A lot of that comes from the size of lumber that we ended up getting. So one, obviously the size of garden that we did, again, I did four foot by eight foot beds with a fence all the way around it, required some really large pieces of lumber. And size is is obviously going to matter. Um, so the size of your raised bed garden will be a factor in your budget If you want a really big garden, that's going to cost a lot of money in materials, and so it's just going to cost a lot of money overall. And at first, you might not have a clue as to what size garden you want. I use a really handy garden planner from Old Farmer's Almanac. I've talked about it on the podcast before. They are not paying me to promote it. That's how much I love it. I touch it multiple times a year, so I really believe that a year-long subscription, which costs $29, is worth it for me. I use it to plan out every single one of my eight beds, what I'm going to grow in it, when I'm going to plant it, what can I grow next to each other, how I'm going to manage my succession planting. I mean, all of that for $29. It's just super, super handy. Um, I use it every year throughout the year. It's great. And it helped me determine what size of raised bed garden that I wanted. In the end, based on the amount of room that we had available and the amount of things that I wanted to grow and the, the quantity of those things that I wanted to grow, I settled on eight four foot by eight foot raised beds. Now, I will say, you can make a bed as long as you have room for. So if I wanted to, I could have made them four foot by 10 foot or four foot by 12 foot or four foot by 24 foot if I, if I had, you know, that much room to go out with them. But you shouldn't make them more than four feet wide. This is about as wide as you can kind of comfortably reach across to harvest or weed without sort of falling into the bed or having to put your hand down to support yourself, um, which you don't want to have to do because you smush down the soil, you know, to support yourself and that ends up compacting the soil. And compacting the soil, it's just going to make it harder to grow in over time. Uh, It's just something you want to avoid doing. It's kind of like the same reason why you want to avoid walking in your garden beds if you have an in-ground garden bed. So once you have determined 
what size, like how many beds you want to build. You need to determine the height that you want your beds to be. So based on my research into vegetable plant root systems, I knew that I wanted at least 12 inches of good quality soil before my plants had to deal at all with the stodgy native clay soil below. And considering that we wanted to bury the boards a few inches to help make them stable enough for sitting on, if I use two two by 10 boards and I stack them on top of one another, that gives you, by the time you bury them a little, about 17 to 18 inches of good soil to plant in. So that's way more than the minimum of 12 inches of good soil that I wanted. So I was really happy, you know, stacking two two by 10 boards on top of one another. You might find that that's a little bit overkill. You might not need to bury, you know, you're bored a few inches in the soil because you don't feel the need to sit on the side of it. Um, that's totally fine. Maybe a bed built out of one two by 10 board high um, is, is plenty for you. And that's great because maybe the soil at the, at the bottom, the soil in your yard, your native soil isn't as crappy as mine was, but my soil's pretty crappy. So I, I kind of needed that, that extra room. So once you have the number of beds you want, You've decided on the height of the sides of the bed, so you kind of have the bed dimensions all figured out. You need to think about layout. Layout of a raised bed garden is something that a lot of people don't really think about, but you really need to because chances are you don't need just room enough for you to walk between the beds. You need room for the occasional wheelbarrow, you know, or two people working in there at the same time. So when you are planning your raised bed garden, make sure you plan for at least two feet in between beds for a pathway between each bed, two and a half feet if you can spare it, because two feet isn't quite going to get you, you know, a wheelbarrow all the way down there. Two and a half feet, even three feet is what you're going to need in order to get a wheelbarrow through those pathways on the side of the raised beds. And, and that comes in really handy because every year, even though I've built these raised beds, soil compacts, compost breaks down. And every year we end up having to top up the beds with more compost. And you know what? Not being able to get a wheelbarrow in between those beds, that would be a big problem if we couldn't do that. Another thing about pathways, make sure that if you're leaving them grassy, your lawnmower will fit between your raised beds. We ended up lining our pathways with landscape fabric covered by river rock that the previous homeowner had used to cover up some tree roots in the front yard and we thought was really ugly. So we ended up kind of like digging all that out and then it was like, oh, perfect, we have all this free river rock. So that's, we lined our pathways with that so that we didn't have to mow it. Um, we didn't have to worry about weeds as much and it, it works really, really well, but you know, that's not for everybody. So if you leave your pathways grassy, if you can't fit your lawnmower in there, how are you going to mow it? So again, that's another reason why you need to make sure that your pathways are wide enough. Also, if you're planning on fencing your raised bed garden, you're going to need a gate. So it's important to think about layout of a raised bed garden in terms of where you're going to put a gate, where that gate is going to go. If you have a really long row of raised beds, you probably don't wanna put your gate at the end 
of that whole long row. And that, and then you have to lug every single bag of soil or manure, or even like when you're bringing, you know, loads of vegetables out of the garden, all the way down to the end of the row to the gate by hand every single time. If you have a really long row of raised beds like we do, you're going to want to put that gate in the middle. So we've talked about materials. We've talked about dimensions. We've talked about layout. Let's talk about lining. This is really something that only applies to folks who choose to build their raised beds out of lumber. So if that's not you, feel free to kind of like tune out for a second. Because wood rots faster when it's in constant contact with soil and water, it's a good idea to line the trenches you're setting the lumber into with rock. You know, whether it's river rock or whether it's gravel, doesn't really matter. This allows the water to drain down and away from the lumber. And there are pictures in the sister post for this episode that you can see that kind of show you what I'm talking about. Also, to help prevent soil from washing through the slats between the two by tens that are stacked on top of one another, we stapled landscaping fabric around the inside walls of the raised beds and we sort of lined it that way. So when I talk about lining, I'm kind of talking about it in two different ways. One, to keep the wood from rotting as quickly and two, to keep the soil from washing away. Next up, soil. Just so you know, A four foot by eight foot raised garden bed is about a half a truck bed, a full size truck bed. So like a, what is that? Eight? I think that's an eight foot truck bed. It's about a half a truck bed of soil. Like one that has been heaped up with soil as high as possible. So if you're not having soil delivered, and even if you are having soil delivered, make sure you know what you're getting into. You're going to need lots of help hauling it back to your raised beds. Because while landscaping companies will deliver loads of garden soil, they pretty much only deliver it to your driveway. Unless you have like a super great landscaping company that you can pay extra to have them like wheelbarrow it all back to your backyard, most of them will dump it in your driveway and then skedaddle out of there. And you have to move it from your driveway back to your garden beds. If you're building raised beds that are considerably smaller than four foot by eight foot, you can think about purchasing bags of garden soil from your local hardware store, but just know that it's still likely going to be really expensive. Whichever route you choose to go, Be sure to get a few bags of composted manure per bed in addition to the soil or compost, any any sort of organic matter that's going to help enrich the soil and give you those extra nutrients. I do have a pro tip though, and this is what we did. Some cities, like the one my in-laws live in, provide free compost for residents. You have to load it, you have to haul it, and you have to unload it yourself, obviously. But if that means you can fill eight four by eight like raised beds for free, you better heck and believe we took advantage of that. Plus, growing in straight compost provides unbelievable gardening results. Just monster plants with monster fruit. They just have so many nutrients all the time. It's really, it's really great for productivity in your garden. And it's free. I should note, like I said earlier though, that you will need to add more soil or compost to your raised beds, be it a little or a lot each year. I would say we end up 
you know, by the end of the season, the beds are a good six inches low on soil. And that's because soil compacts and composts break down, like I said. And so the soil level just kind of like naturally recedes, kind of just like it does against the side of your house. And you have to put more mulch or more soil on the side of your house to keep the drainage and everything flowing properly. It's the same thing in your garden beds. So every year, um, especially if a lot of your raised bed soil is comprised of organic material like compost, you're going to have to add more compost, more soil each fall or each spring. We choose to do it in fall because I'm always planting lots and lots of garlic in the fall. And so we can do that and then I can plant my garlic and I'm not having to go in the spring and basically like bury my garlic that is trying to emerge with a bunch more compost. Let's talk about fencing. Like I mentioned in the previous episode, we chose to fence in our raised beds because we had huge rabbit issues. And since we wanted something that looked nice and had fine enough mesh to keep out rabbits, we chose to use panels constructed out of two by fours and hardware cloth, which again is kind of like that fine, you know, that wire mesh. You can buy the mesh in different gauges. We chose half inch mesh. Because if a rabbit, especially like a baby bunny rabbit, can get their head through something, they can get their body through something, just like any rodent. So you need to make sure that the mesh openings are small enough that they can't fit their head through there. You'll never be able to keep squirrels, chipmunks, and mice out of the garden because they can easily climb fences. Also, raccoons, keeping rabbits, and even deer, you know, if your fence is tall enough, is going to be a huge help. The diet of rabbits and deer is pretty much all plants. So they're going to mow down just about everything that doesn't have spines, like, you know, winter squash leaves or strong odors like herbs. Rodents, on the other hand, can't eat much in the way of plants because they can't digest cellulose, which is plant tissue. They can't digest it very well. So their damage is usually related to digging or chewing on fruit for water content. You know, so fencing is a huge help. And if what I said about two by four panels with hardware cloth attached to it sounded confusing, again, you can definitely see pictures of that in the sister post for this episode. And with that note about fencing, that is it for this episode. So while I could have, you know, tacked it on to the end of last episode, I feel like that would have just been a lot. I really feel like this episode is most helpful if you go and you view the pictures and the sister post um, for this episode, just because you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's hard to envision, you know, the dimensions of things or the scale of things that I'm talking about. So again, that's going to be all those pictures out there is going to be really helpful. And if you have any questions, you can definitely comment on at the bottom of that post and ask me, or you can reach out to me on social media. Um, I do try to be really responsive on Facebook and especially Instagram. I would say it's a little easier for me to be responsive on Instagram, but either way, feel free to reach out to me with any questions. In the next episode, I am going to be talking about how to make your own apple cider vinegar with peelings and scraps from your apples that you harvested. Or like, let's say you went apple picking, you went to a local apple 
orchard for a fun fall activity with your friends or your family. Don't throw away those apple peels. Use all of them to make homemade apple cider vinegar. I'm going to tell you exactly how in the next episode. So you have that to look forward to. But until then, thank you so very much as always for listening. I hope that you have had a gorgeous beginning to your fall and I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.